Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another Tapping to Crypto episode. My name's Ted, and I'm joined here by the great man Pav Hundal. And uh, today we've got a very special guest on. We have Ted Talks Macro. Ted, how you going, mate? Good, Ted. Yeah, <laughs> I've always been waiting for the have, day where we have yeah. two Ted's on the podcast. I was going to say, I, yeah. I didn't think I'd ever see the day yeah. where we have two Ted's here, but here we are. So uh, maybe are. next time. We well, as well. No, we already have you had Pat. We had Zach. Who's that's that's true. Too. Yeah, yeah. You, you can make that. Yeah, make I'll, that I'll make that. That's as close as I'm going to get. So. Fine. Yeah, absolutely. So Ted, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Yeah, sure. So at the moment, I guess, full-time markets, um, markets being anything from FX, commodities, stocks to crypto. I guess with the market heating up in crypto at the moment, it's mainly crypto, but it changes depending on what's moving. So I guess last year that wasn't crypto so much. It was more FX um, and even towards the back end of 2022 when we saw some trends emerge there, of course, with the dollar ripping. There were some central bank divergences, which I can talk about a little bit later, but I guess whatever's trending, I'm trying to play and yeah, full-time markets, working on Lambda markets and a few other things trying to get into some development myself, some programming and building tools that, you know, just make my job easier and make what I do more efficient because data, I guess, in crypto in markets is so fragmented. It's good to pull it all into one spot. So that's a focus of mine as well. But yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. And mate, you've, you've become one of the key names when it comes to, you know, correlating the the macro market to crypto and your, your socials are blowing up. So uh, congratulations on that. But before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, um, we, we typically ask our guests like how they got into crypto and what was your first crypto purchase? Okay, um, we'll have to go back a little while. Uh, so I guess I started, I'm just approaching 29 now. So I started trading markets when I was fresh out of high school. And it, it came in the form of penny stocks in the US, which nice. was a, a bit of a whirlwind ride. I think I made <laughs> two grand in my first week. And I was like, Just you know, I was 18 at the time, like, mum, I'm doing this full time, <laughs> 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 as everyone kind of does. So that's great. That's, um, you, know, you know, on and off for a little bit, learnt the hard way as everyone does. And then eventually found my fate in the Forex market, uh, which is a bit more lenient and friendly with time. So obviously being in Australia, staying up all hours of the night is not ideal. And then just learning about how central banks moved markets, how news moved markets, and I guess not so much scalping anymore, looking for those longer term trends that in Forex, if, if things get going, it's pretty much one-way traffic if you can spot um, a trend that lasts quarters over quarters. As you see, like at the last 18 months, mm. central banks typically well, they have done in the last decade, go one way for a couple of years and then they pause and then it's the other way again. So if you can spot that early, you know, there's big trends that you can ride and you can turn small sums of money into decent ones, especially when you're starting off. So that is kind of my start into markets. And that was over the span of, you know, at least four to five years. Um, it didn't happen quickly. And of course, crypto at the time, I think it was the 2017 cycle. That was when I first traded ethereum i remember it went from nothing to sixteen hundred dollars yeah and i was trading it on a fx broker and of course the spreads were like i don't know they would have been at least 10 percent. so crazy but even with that you're making money at that time mm. you pay a 10 percent spread and still manage to catch some dollars out of it so i think my first purchase was well, not really spot but trading ethereum during that run up and just thinking, why is this happening? Like, what is going on? This is crazy. And yeah, I didn't really look at crypto. I remember it died pretty quickly after that um, in 2018. And I remember looking at the charts and they were just going sideways, 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 and nothing was happening. So 
I was just trading FX, commodities, stocks, stock indexes, and didn't come back to crypto until COVID hit in 2020. And I guess that's when I really got into things and, and put these correlations together after all I'd learned in traditional markets. And then like, you know, hey, this is at the time bonds, you know, bonds are pretty much the king of all markets and they tend to move before everything else does. So I was watching, you know, what yields were doing, what um, currencies were doing after that, and then how crypto was moving. And it was all very, very correlated. So that's, I guess, how I got back into crypto and then haven't looked back since. And I think some spot purchases that I made back in 2020 was AI stocks, uh, AI cryptos like Ocean was one, mm -hmm. uh, Chain. Just basically you, you bought anything and it went up back then. But yeah, and now it's just more concentrated bets like Solana and things like this at the moment. Awesome, mate. So just overnight, we saw Bitcoin hit 50K, first time since 2021, so a pretty big milestone. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think we're getting a bit frothy? It's getting a bit hot in here, might come down a little bit. What, what are you thinking? I do think, obviously, short-term things like that can happen. So we're at resistance, we've taken out the highs from the ETF. So that's a, a point where if you've been riding this move from 38K, you'd probably be wanting to take some profits. And also, I think I saw a stat where the majority of long-term holders are now back in profit. Mm. after all they've gone through over the last two years. So human nature says maybe people who want to get out will get out here, but those that want to, to hold and believe in it in the longer term until the end of the year or even further are going to hold. So if we are going to pull back, you might get one here, but long term, I think everything points higher for me. We can go through some of the stats, I guess, in a moment, but sure, we could have a pullback, but back above 50K, you can imagine that news outlets are going to start saying, hey, you know, Bitcoin's back above 50K. Super Bowl didn't have an ad, but yeah, ads we're, are, are going to be coming. Yeah. yeah. So that those marketing campaigns, there's nothing like price going up to advertise these new spot BTC products. So yeah, um, I don't see a lot of froth at the moment, to be honest, if I'm looking at open interest data funding, which is, you know, another thing in premiums. ETH is actually getting a little bit frothy, I think, here on this move up, but BTC seems to be quite steady. At the moment, um, of course, it could pull back, but you know, I'd be buying any dips from here. And um, I guess, as you mentioned, like a lot of your trading style, it is looking at that. What is a longer swing that's playing out to to ride? I guess potentially positions for a longer term rather than a short term opportunity. Would you say like uh, the sort of rhetoric from the Fed flipping to more data led before any rate drops can happen? I know we sort of saw that the last week or two. Do you think that might sort of change and imply some short-term volatility? Because I know we've got things like CPI coming up, et cetera. Do you feel like, you know, while we haven't sucked in, I guess what you could say retail from, you know, we were saying there weren't any marketing ads on Super Bowl. We're not really seeing like search indexes for things like Bitcoin hit new to all-time highs. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like price might be quite sensitive to, you know, everyone expecting rates to come down, but that might take a bit longer? Yeah. Well, I highlighted this, I guess, at the start of the year, because at the start of the year, the market was pricing in, I think, six or even maybe seven rate cuts this year yeah, it was out wild. of eight meetings. Yeah. And you probably noticed with the RBA here, the, the media outlets are saying uh, they're going to cut this year. You know, it could be better for homeowners and all this sort of thing. Mm. But the central banks around the world don't really need to do that while data trends where they want it to trend, of course, like you know, they've just hiked 600 basis points in the space of 18 months and nothing is broken. Um, inflation's back towards their target, almost basically at the Fed's target. And growth is, you know, we hit 6% nominal GDP last year in the US. Employment data solid. So while that's all trending the way it is right now, you know, central banks don't need to do anything. Why would they do anything? 
You can argue that core PCE is way below the Fed funds rate, and historically that hasn't been the case. But historically, the Fed haven't printed $2 trillion a year no. and run you know $2 trillion deficit. So comparing now to 08 and the last century is quite a silly comparison, I think. And the perfect example was just to go on a bit of a tangent to monetary policy and what they're doing these days is the banking crisis last year, the immediate reaction was, okay, these banks need liquidity. What can we do? We'll spin up a facility and they can borrow assets at par, even though the true value, if they sold it onto market, they'd be going bankrupt. So the facilities that exist now and the knowledge that central banks have is just to stop these crises before that happens. And getting back to how data is trending, I guess the perfect example was employment data last week, last week, to start the month. And we had a hot print and the market, of course, paired back those rate cuts, went from about six priced into now four to five. Um, And of course, with the FOMC, Jerome Powell said, hey, we don't really need to do anything. We just want to watch the data. Mm. And it's as simple as that for now. So you highlighted inflation data. Yeah, definitely today our time, it'll be early morning. That is going to be, I'd expect a similar reaction to the employment numbers if we get a hot print. But looking at things that I look at projecting inflation forward, it doesn't look like anything should surprise us too much this time around. But of course, that's always the risk. But yeah, if we do get a hot print, the market could sell off. But I think just like the employment numbers, it'll be brief and it'll just be like a liquidation wick and you'll be trading higher within a few hours. And obviously having conversations around all this key data, like what's being said, the tone of voice, I guess, around central banks and policymakers, what do you sort of make to those people that just say, oh, it doesn't really matter that much? You know, why would you pay so much attention to this? Like, obviously you've seen it sort of play out over time, but do you sort of get people that challenge your views on how to value the market? And what do you have to say to that? Yeah, well, I guess they do have a point because there was last year macro didn't really matter that much. We saw inflation on a one-way trip south. We saw employment stable, like I myself wasn't even posting that much about macro last year. It's more about catching the swings. So when the Fed in 2021 said, hey, we might need to tighten up, that's when macro starts to matter. And it's like I said at the beginning of this this chat, if you can catch those swings that central banks have cyclically, even one to two months after the fact, if you take some time to digest and, and then see what they end up doing, you know, you can catch 12 to 18 months worth of trends. And that's how I guess the platform is laid on a macro view. And that's how I look at it because people like to look at, oh, these numbers got revised and, and, you know, they're bullshitting the numbers. Who cares? The market reacts to the numbers on the day and it's not going to care about those revisions a month later when we're due to have new data. So really, it doesn't matter so much. And the same with things like the plumbing of the the Fed liquidity. And you can go so deep into macro, but really at the end of the day, all that matters is the forward guidance. What is the Fed going to do next? What's the RBA going to do next? And if that's, you know, they're going to cut or ease, you know, eventually the market's going to trade higher. The same with tightening the other way around. So I think it's more about catching those pivots and those swing points than it is you know, looking at the data every single day. And of course, with experience, when data matters is highly based on experience, because now I know that 2024 is probably going to be a little bit more important than 2023, because we're at a a pivot where if data trends the way it's going, there's going to be no rate cuts. But if it starts to to break, the employment market starts to show weakness, all of a sudden macro data is going to force the market to price in more rate cuts. So you could think about macro, but I don't think you should be thinking about macro all the time, I guess. That makes sense. That's good. Mm. 
Yeah, cool. Um, so I kind of wanted to pivot a little bit and talk about the the Bitcoin ETF. So obviously being hugely successful so far, I think the BlackRock ETF entered into the top five ETFs globally, and there's been like huge inflows across all of them. So you showed a chart on your Twitter that kind of shows the price of gold since the first gold ETF went live in about 2004, and it's pretty much just like up and to the right, <laughs> going from about a trillion dollar market cap overall to 13 trillion. Do you think? we're heading in the same trajectory for Bitcoin or like it'll follow a similar path there? Yeah, absolutely. The thing for me is looking at it from a very like eagle eye view is our generation is becoming more and more flexible around investing in different things, right? So property, you know, unless you've got wealth to begin with or your parents can help you out in Australia and around the world, you know, you're basically screwed. Even if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you're still, you know, in the major cities, you're probably not going to make much money from property anymore. So what is the alternative? Okay, you can go into stocks or crypto at the moment, really. And with these regulatory frameworks with more adoption from banks and institutions, this is just going to to become more and more entrenched in people's thinking when they come to investing. Um, we saw Fidelity, I think they're allocating 1% of their broader based ETF that is made up in pension funds. That's big. To Bitcoin. So I think Australia will follow pretty soon. I know myself, I'd be wanting to allocate my super to Bitcoin, at least a portion of it. And there's not really any products unless you're doing a self-managed super fund at the moment, but that's going to come. Mm-hmm. And when those things start to, to come, you know, we're well under the way to, you know, mass adoption. So there's no limit to the market capitalization that Bitcoin can reach. And why would you hold gold anymore? Because it's it's kind of had its run and our generation is going to be like, you know, why hold gold when I can hold Bitcoin? Bitcoin's got so much more upside potential. It's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, via social media, via the internet, you can do the research that you need to do. And hopefully you're following the right people. And there's a lot of smart people getting involved with Bitcoin at the moment. So I think we are on that path to following what gold has done. It's just a matter of, put it bluntly, not messing it up and <laughs> trading with leverage or, or looking into other things. Yeah. Um, of course, you can look at alts and, and things like this, but if you're in crypto for the long term, I guess this is seems so obvious, but it's uh, a one-way train higher, I think, at least on a, a multi-year or a decade view for me. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, great. And uh, what are your thoughts on the ETH ETF? Do you think we're, that's, we're getting that mm. in May and how will that impact the price and the whole Ethereum ecosystem? Mm. I think, well, we saw it with Bitcoin as well. We saw the speculation yeah. do more to price than the actual event. Yeah. Well, now you can say Bitcoin obviously is performing quite well based on the ETF, but that's a matter of waiting for it to play out. So I think the speculation actually recorded a video yesterday on this that I think that ETH BTC could start to um, see some acceptance here. And if it starts to, to climb higher, you know, it's game on. And Bitcoin's trading at its 2022 highs. And ETH is, I think, I think ETH's 2022 highs are around 3,200. That's... Um, you know, a, a substantial move from here. And if we're seeing that speculation kick off now, there's quite a nice move for ETH. And I don't think it's so much the event, it's more the speculation like it was with Bitcoin. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like one thing we've been talking about for quite a while is ETH would make sense to be the next cap off the rank. But do you kind of feel like a narrative, this cycle might be the race for other assets to set up ETS? Like once there's been acceptance that there's a risk appetite for crypto, I mean, logically to me, it makes sense that other assets become either individually ETFs or put into a basket that's like a diversified ETF with other altcoins. Do you, do you sort of see that as being something to watch? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, another thing I posted at the start of the year is if ETH gets approved, what's the limit to these ETF products? Solana, XRP, Doge, I don't know, anything can be fair game. So if asset managers are seeing how these BTC ETFs are being accepted and the volumes that they're doing, I think the the BTC ETFs so far have outperformed on a volume term, on a volume basis, all of the ETFs that were launched in 2023 in the US. Um, And that's only just in 30 days. So, you know, the fees that these guys can make, the yeah. The new flows, the new interest in their funds, their their asset management is just going to go crazy if they can start offering these crypto products, I think. And mm-hmm. that's enough incentive for them to to push for more and more coins or tokens to be listed, I think. Absolutely. So you mentioned, mm-hmm. well, moving away from Bitcoin and Ethereum for a second here. So you mentioned you've got an allocation in Solana. So Pav and I often talk about like different narratives that we're kind of eyeing, uh, particularly like looking forward. Do you, are you eyeing off any narr- any narratives, particularly around altcoins at the moment? Not really, to be honest. It's more just do I see so even with ETH, for example. So I'm in ETH long, anticipating this flip for the speculation to the ETF, but I wouldn't hold ETH for the next year. I'd only hold it for that speculation into the ETF based on, I think the market's going to do the same thing. So I guess lacking any specific narrative, which I don't see other than ETFs to to push the market higher, people say, oh, AI or gaming and Mm -hmm. things like this. What is your take to dismiss those ones? I I don't know. I see things like PAL and these bots that are AI. They're just wrappers of chat GPT. Mm Mm-hmm. What utility really does it have other than entering a Discord and spitting out what ChatGPT has? Why would I buy that token? Sure, it has revenue share, but long term, like what is it solving? Hmm. Something's going to replace it. And to be honest, there, there could be something more to it, but I just don't see it. I'd much rather run with the more obvious plays or the things that I'm more knowledgeable about. And that to me is how TradFi and crypto overlaps and not so much digging through sectors in crypto and being like, oh, gaming rotations are happening now or AI rotations are happening now. But sure, people make some money doing that. But gaming also, like gaming tokens get paid to play. You know, if the token's being paid to someone, they're just going to sell it and then realize the money. They don't want to be holding that token. Why would I hold that token? It doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, narratives, I guess, getting back to your point or your question, narratives for me at the moment, I see Solana being... You know, it had a little bit of a downtime the other day, but at the end of the year, we've got Firedance, so we've got big upgrades coming, and I do see Solana being here for the next decade. So that's one bag that I do hold, knowing that or having a big conviction that that's going to be around in ten years. And ETH, at least, at least in the short term, I think optimism leading into the ETF, regardless of the outcome, I think ETH is going to run up into the event, and at that point, I'll probably be like reassess, or maybe it hits my profit target before time and I'm out waiting for the next thing. And beyond that, I just see BTC and Solana based on a macro view of traditional markets. And um, yeah, just following those higher conviction plays and, and the things that I'm knowledgeable knowledgeable about in crypto. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. A lot of people probably, I know I hear this quite a bit, they just don't quite know how to go about understanding the macro space. What's kind of your best advice to someone who takes everything with a grain of salt for now, but kind of wants to sort of better understand how to read these longer trends that you sort of talk to? What's your best advice there? I think it's just really zoom out, understand where we are. So at the moment, 
taking right now, for as an example, the Fed not really having to do anything based on you know what we've said so far. And what does that mean? It means if the data starts to change, they might have to do something. So that means that rate cuts will come about. They're probably not going to go back to tightening. But if data starts to disappoint, you know, they're going to have to cut. So if you aren't at that point where you can consume that information and put it into an actionable trade or idea about the markets, I guess it's just learn about central banks, how they control money, how they control inflation, how they control the employment markets and go from there. Because if you can understand that, it becomes quite simple when you look at it from a zoomed out perspective. Of course, more and more experience, you go more and more into the meetings and understand the words that's coming out of his mouth at the FOMC press conference and what the numbers mean when they're presented, when the inflation report comes out or the employment report comes out. But simply understand central banks, what their role is and how they maintain the money supply. Because if you can pick when money supply is going up or when it's likely to go up, you know, you buy stocks or you buy crypto. And the same is said for the other way around. So it's as simple as that. And start from there. And yeah, you should be pretty much on your way to at least having some component of macro understanding. That's good. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. helpful. I think um, the, yeah, if there ever was a year to try and marry up TradFi and crypto, it feels like 2024, 2025, even 2023 yeah, sure. was, was the period to start really trying to tie those links together. So I think that's going to be helpful. Absolutely. What about you guys? I'm curious, are you seeing anything, I guess me, I'm not seeing much within crypto, within sectors, but do you guys pay attention to much of that or... Yeah, I, I definitely like a good old fashioned narrative. I mean, I'm a bit, yeah. I've gone full circle. I'm purely all infrastructure these days because at least I can see from a tokenomics perspective, how is that supply going to affect its end state market cap? I kind of had the same idea towards gaming too. Like Axie is a great example, right? 117% APY, very attractive for the people mm -hmm. that don't understand what that actually means. It's only going to go in one direction at the end of the day when there's that much inflation. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We kind of like to, try, I guess, try and follow what's moving. Yeah, I think yeah. we try and find different categories, yeah. sectors, narratives, see what's hot, see what's moving. Typically, yeah. they will move in groups. And so I try and eye off what's coming next. Like I know there's a lot of talk about DPIN, yep. decentralized physical infrastructure. And seems to be a lot of focus on that, particularly because like regulation seems to be coming for the DeFi landscape. So maybe like there's a more of a focus shifted to um, other sectors of crypto. So that's kind of where I don't, at least I'm looking at yeah. this this year. And even from that lens, like we are noticing like following in VC capital, like they don't put money in unless they're going to get a return. It seems to be heavily concentrated into DPIN as well. So mm -hmm. that's been interesting. Yep. But um, yeah, I think it's hard to put a 10-year lens on crypto, let's be honest. It's really, really yeah. difficult. Like yeah. Solana makes a lot of sense, like you said, because it actually, well, if it keeps up what it's doing, like fixes a long-term problem. And so does Ethereum to some degree as well. Like, you know, in, in a 10 years time, it might just be that secure bottom layer that you need mm -hmm. that is robust, can't be compromised while all the other elements run on top of it. I know that's kind of the idea, but yeah, it's hard to see things like XRP and Dogecoin mm -hmm. in 10 years time, but, but you know, if everyone buys and holds, which crypto natives are great at doing, I mean, I guess these things can't disappear either. Yep. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, awesome. Well, we might wrap it up there. Thank yeah. you so much, Ted, for coming on and, and talking through us with the, the macro side of things and just your kind of journey in crypto and TradFi. So really appreciate your time. No pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. I hope cool. to do it again. Yeah, yeah go check it. out Ted Talks Macro on Twitter and YouTube for more. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Bye. 
Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 